98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the K1 Podcast. Welcome to the K1 Podcast. I'm Kevin Zimmerman, joined by Rudy Carpenter. The Cardinals are coming off a Thursday night game, 28-25 loss to the 49ers. Kyler Murray had kind of an up-and-down game. He only threw 24 passes, completed 17, 241 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, Did take three sacks, though. Two of them were kind of long sacks, killer sacks in that first half. Um, What was your overall impressions, Rudy, of just how he did? And we're recording on Monday, by the way. Well, look, I think there's, um, you know, uh, a lot of different aspects to this Cardinals team and a lot of different aspects to to Kyler Murray. The truth about Kyler Murray specifically is he's been playing pretty good and his development has really gotten better every single week. He's continuing to develop. He's making good decisions. He's throwing with good accuracy. He's uh, throwing the ball with good anticipation. He's been able to extend plays and use his feet and, and create some explosive plays while moving around. He, outside of the the taking negative plays, especially sacks, he's done a, a good job of learning from mistakes and not repeating mistakes. Um, and so ultimately, I think in that regard, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury have done a, a really nice job with this offense. It's pretty clear this offense is a lot better than what, when what we saw last year. They're a lot more productive than what we saw last year. So overall, I think the Arizona Cardinals have found a franchise quarterback in Kyler Murray. I do think Cliff has done a nice job building the offense around him. I think Cliff's become more comfortable on how to game plan specifically for Kyler and how to call plays for Kyler and what adjustments to make for Kyler. But I still think the uh, so-called elephant in the room is just, number one, the lack of depth, both on offense and defense, but also, you know, just really how how bad this defense has played especially uh trying to defend the pass that to me is really uh the story of this season and of course we have to talk about the running back situation here because i mean you throw a guy Kenyon drake out there who had two to three days just to figure out okay they scripted in some good stuff to start the halves with him it looked like And they really started going to him like this guy who had just been here a few days. I mean, that kind of tells you, one, I think Cliff's offense is actually really good for running backs. I mean, we've seen Chase Edmonds succeed, David Johnson succeed, now Drake succeed. um, And David Johnson might be coming back to join Drake this week. We'll see on that. But the other issue and the bad part about that is when the guy who you're relying on your offense has just been there a few days and you have Christian Kirk, who probably wasn't 100%, I mean, no one is at this point, but he's still working back from that ankle injury. He had two catches for eight yards. You have Larry Fitzgerald, four catches for 38 yards. Keyshawn Johnson, two catches for 22. I mean, this this offense just isn't doing much down the field. And it's, you know, when you talk about an air raid offense, it's not doing a whole lot with the receivers um what do you see in that regard i mean it's well it's i think it's just a talent thing well I, yeah but i think that's the interesting part i mean i think it depends on how you view the air raid offense when i think of the air raid offense i think of the mike leach air raid offense which is you have a bunch of small quick little scat type receivers who run a ton of shallow cross crossing routes arrow routes little quick choice option routes essentially to me what the air raid offense is is an offense where you're using your short passing game as your running game and and as you see with Mike Leach, you add tempo to that, and it's it's a pretty 
simple offense. It's an offense that's designed to use the quick passing game as your run game, a lot of wide receiver screens, and then on top of that, you're trying to do what's called flooding the zones. Now, when teams don't play zone defense, you have to have guys that can win against man-to-man coverage. And in the NFL, look, these DBs are very, very good. You you have essentially three starting type DBs on every single team. You're two that are starting, and then your nickel guy, a guy like Tyron Matthews, is going to come in on a lot of downs and play against a slot receiver who's who's typically very similar to another starting DB and it can be very difficult when you add you know uh, different types of zone coverages and different types of man coverages and walk around defenses and blitzes and different fronts it makes it very difficult for the offense but one area you can always create a lot of mismatches is when you have a running back against a against a linebacker especially in coverage if you see a linebacker trying to cover a guy like Kenyon Drake it's very easy to throw him the ball with option routes or he's beating him with speed or you're getting the ball to him on swing routes and giving him space to beat that defender. If you see the team go to a dime or a nickel defense and take out a linebacker and put in a DB to try to cover the running back, when they're just going to hand him the ball and it's a much easier you know, way to run the football. But like you said... We're just not seeing um, we're not seeing a ton of the short passing game, whether it's shallow crosses or slants or arrow routes, where a guy catches the ball and makes guys miss and hits an explosive play. We see a ton of that with teams like Oklahoma or even teams like Washington State in college who run these types of offenses. We don't see that in the NFL or with the Cardinals because number one, they don't have the guys who have that kind of juice, in my opinion, and number two, NFL teams are better at tackling than what we see overall in college. Now look, some of the numbers are inflated with Andy Isabella. He had 88 yards receiving his all on one catch. That was a great decision and a great throw and a great play by Andy, but Again, that's an area. He was running a deep over route against man-to-man coverage. That's the type of route you want to run against man-to-man coverage. This type of play, this type of skill set you need, a guy who can really run to beat man-to-man coverage. We just haven't seen a ton of that. And then to your point, I think this Kenyon Drake thing is kind of a catch-22. It's great that he's here, and it's great they went and got him, especially if they can re-sign him in free agency. They're giving up a draft pick. He's going to hit the free agent market. Does he want to stay here with the Arizona Cardinals and try to be a part of the rebuild? Or is he tired of rebuilds and want to go somewhere else and try to be a part of a winning organization, which he hasn't been a part of since he was at Alabama? Hopefully Steve Kime is able to work this out and get him re-signed because he is a good player. He's a perfect style. He's a perfect fit for this type of offense. But on the other side, I think it's insane, and it goes to to point out the lack of, of drafting and the lack of depth on this team when you bring in a player who's been here for less than three days, and he's not just your leading receiver or leading rusher or whatever it is. He's literally your best player on offense against the best football team probably in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the the problem here with that is he might play himself out of a contract they can give him, and also, why do you spend probably a decent amount of money even just projecting or guessing at what he's going to make when you have two running backs under contract already, David Johnson and Chase Edmonds, and you have money to spend and you need to spend it elsewhere. So that's, I mean, a fifth-round pick just to win maybe a game or two more, just to have another body in there, I don't know. Well, and um, this is this is where the, the the problem lies because if you're hitting on your draft picks, yeah. if you're hitting on your draft picks, especially at the offensive line position or other spots where you might need to go spend money, that's where now you have these draft picks who are under contract and they're making minimum dollars, and so it frees up more money for you to go and sign guys like Kenyon Drake. But when you're not hitting on draft picks, 
and you have so many positions on the offensive line, inside linebackers, defensive backs, and then you've really, you know, your wide receiver group is still in flux, if you ask me, with this type of offense. There are so many areas you need to address, and there's only so many dollars to go around. And again, like I said, a guy like Kenyon Drake from the University of Alabama won a bunch of games, was a third-round pick, which means he hasn't hit the big money yet. He was living in a place like Miami where there's no state income tax. He's now in Arizona. You imagine in free agency, he is not going to be giving anybody a hometown deal or a hometown discount. He is going to try to maximize his earning potential come free agency. And we just don't know if the Arizona Cardinals are going to be able to sign him or if it makes sense, like you just said. You have a guy in David Johnson who a few years ago you essentially deemed as a franchise player. You have a guy in Chase Edmonds who you drafted, who you, you, you've developed and spent time on developing. You want to obviously you know feature him in the offense as well. And so the question becomes, number one, do you have the money to pay Kenyon Drake? And number two, is there even room for all of these guys? I don't think they're going to be able to trade that David Johnson contract, so we can just move past that. <laughs> um, let's go back to the Andy Isabella play. I mean... We haven't seen many deep passes in the last few weeks. I think teams have really, I mean, since week three about, teams have really just said, okay, you're going to be us underneath. And I think Kyler's 28th or something like that. And I, I believe it was yards per attempt down the field. Um, so they're they're trying to get the ball out of his hands, protect him, not put a lot on the offensive line and just make life easy on Kyler and protect him physically. Um but what did you see on that play? I mean, the pass protection was pretty good, enough to get Andy Isabella open, and Kyler just dropped it right in front of the DB, and then obviously Andy's turned on the Jets and made a good move, cut back there. Yeah, and I know people I know people don't love you know the Kyler Murray numbers, but 17 for 24, 241 yards, 10 yards, an average per attempt, uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions. To me, if Kyler Murray can continue to play like this, not just this year, but moving forward in his career, that's winning football. In my view, that's winning football, and this just goes to show you that they are not losing games on offense like they were last year. They need to do a better job on defense. If Kyler Murray can continue to play like this with a good defense, this team can win games and win a lot of games. That Look, this division is just very difficult. As we've seen, you have the Rams, a very good football team, the Seattle Seahawks, a very good football team, the San Francisco Giants, uh, uh, 49ers, obviously, a very good football team. So in my view, Kyler Murray is playing winning football. And on that play to Andy Isabel is a great example. That play is against man-to-man coverage. It's a deep over concept, which means it takes a long time for Andy Isabel to get from one hash to the other. He's running a deep over route where he's climbing across the field 18 to 22 yards in depth. That takes a lot of time. The offensive line did a great job protecting him. Kyler moved in the pocket just enough. The throw was unbelievable. The, the defender actually did a good job trying to undercut him in man-to-man coverage, which was something you're always worried about as a quarterback. But Kyler threw that ball with really good anticipation, which is what we saw Jimmy G do a lot in this last game, throwing the ball to guys well before they were even open or out of their break and just dropping balls perfectly. Kyler did that on this play. The, the anticipation, the timing was great. The accuracy was really great. The pocket movement was really great. And then obviously the catch and finish by Andy Isabella was really good. There's one thing we've always known about Andy Isabella, and that's he can run. And so the Arizona Cardinals have to figure out ways to try to create some explosive plays to Andy Isabella, whether it's handing him the ball on some reverses, handing him the ball on some jet sweeps, 
uh, faking some jet sweeps or reverses to him and then throwing him some, some wide receiver screens or plays like this where you're just letting him run down the field and taking shots with him. It's a way, obviously, to get him involved, get some juice on the field, create some explosive plays. But also, if you're asking me, try to build some confidence with Andy Isabella and and, and, and build some some you know trust with him and Kyler Murray. And that's one of the really interesting things, and I think I appreciate that with Cliff, is he's shuffled his uh, receivers around trying to give guys opportunities, even if they haven't necessarily earned a lot. Like Isabella has earned the jet sweeps and scripted plays. They're trying to work him in and build that confidence and try to get him involved, um, throw him in and play here and there just to get him pulling guys down the field to create separation and open up guys like on shorter routes. Um it just, I mean, I asked Cliff on, I believe, Friday after the game, is was that a sign that these guys are ready to take on bigger roles? And he just said, we hope so, because, I mean, it seems like a really gradual progression with him and Keyshawn, and you just hope that they're actually improving and not, you know, getting bummed out by not playing a lot. So I think that's a really interesting thing to watch, because they need guys like that, and they need them to play well. You, as an NFL organization, you have to hit on draft picks, and you have to be able to develop your homegrown uh, talent. Your, your, you have to be able to develop the guys that you draft. You have to. It's obviously very important, not just because they can, they can play for you, they can help you win games, they're also cheap. At some point in time, you want to re-sign those guys, or if you can't, you want to be able to, to maybe trade those guys and get assets for them. But with that being said, I agree with you. I think Cliff Kingsbury, I, I don't agree with all, of, with, with all of his offense or philosophy or all the decisions that he's made, but that's easy for me to say sitting back just watching TV or anybody else. The one thing I will say about Cliff, unlike most coaches in the NFL, is his willingness to acknowledge things, his willingness to try to make changes, his willingness to keep on evolving, and really in my view, a guy that's really tried to have almost no ego and his whole goal has been just to try to find ways to execute better, create explosive plays, create scoring chances, and create ways to win. And he doesn't care how he does that. If he has to run the football, if he has to throw the football, if he has to do it with smoke and mirrors, he doesn't care. He's a guy who's literally open to any suggestions to try to help his football team win. And I think that is massively important, especially when you look around the NFL and the landscape of guys around coaches around the NFL who will not change, who will not adapt in any way, shape, or form. It's interesting just how much he kind of has these self-deprecating jokes like, yeah, I steal more than most people. I steal from everyone. And he says, I don't like to admit that, but that's kind of who he is. He just says, hey, if you have a good idea, I'm going to take it. Um, and so that's been true. We've seen his evolution. Um one of his decisions that was heavily criticized was that fourth and one play at the end of the first half where he called a timeout. They obviously ran the play anyway, and the Cardinals stopped the run against the 49ers, and then we learned that he called a timeout um, up in the press box. We didn't hear it, obviously. Um, do you? Everyone was really mad about that. Do you have an issue with that? Because it's like, well, that's hindsight. That that play didn't count. Yeah, that I mean, is hindsight. And usually what happens is Cliff Kingsbury's not the defensive coordinator and he doesn't know, you know, all of what's going on the defensive side of the ball. All he hears in his headset is the defensive coordinator or somebody on the defensive side of the ball screaming in his headset to run and call a timeout because either they don't have the right personnel on the field, they called the wrong defense, or they got a look they weren't anticipating and when they weren't ready for. And so all Cliff is hearing in his headset is call timeout, call timeout, call timeout. And he's running down there to go call a timeout so to me 
that's just an unfortunate situation. They got the ball snapped. The, the Cardinals made the play. And, and, and even with that being said, on the very next play when they scored, they were in a good defense. They were in a good position to make the play. They just didn't make the play. Yeah. And, and the, the receiver made a, a very good catch in the football. And so, look, it's, it's, it's hard to say, well, you know, what if this or what if that? That's easy. All Cliff knows is what his defensive guys who he trusts, who he hired and who he paid – are screaming in his ear, in his ear to 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 call a timeout. Now, I think the real thing is is when you couple that with some of the other decisions, like last week's decisions to go, you know, forward on fourth down. People didn't like that decision. It, there are things like that 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 you know kind of. Uh, Build up or something. Yeah, yeah. They kind of they, they, they kind of stack up onto yeah. each other, and people start to question your decision making as a coach. But you know, all you can do as a coach is react to each individual situation. That's all he was doing there. Um, and in his defense, like I think they missed opportunities in that first half. The offense wasn't on after that first touchdown. Obviously, that drive was nice. Um, but to speak to a couple Kyler's sacks, second possession was only four plays. They're in a third and three. They have a false start, and then he takes a 12-yard sack. I mean, that's just a killer. Third possession was a three out, and then fourth possession was five yards, and that was a 19-yard sack that that's obviously going to kill you. Um, and then the fifth possession, they ended up, I think, running eight plays, but it was 26 yards of offense. So, I mean, they they just were kind of sputtering in that first half. And then did you think that they made adjustments or anything in the second half? Because I think they scored on, what, uh, three of the five possessions, something like that, in that second half? Well, yeah, they clearly made some adjustments, but they also had guys make plays. And, 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 and in the NFL, you need wide receivers to make contested catches. You need tight ends to make contested catches. You, you need running backs to be able to make guys miss in space, running backs to be able to make guys miss tackles. That's just the name of the game. Look, when you have three sacks for 37 yards, you're averaging more than 10 yards per sack. That's difficult. This Arizona Cardinals team is not good enough. We've been saying this every single week to overcome negative plays, especially negative plays of of a 10-yard sack or a 12-yard sack or a 15-yard sack. It's just you cannot overcome those types of, of plays where the Arizona Cardinals are right now. But, but a, a positive part about this game is, look, the San Francisco 49ers are, are probably the best team in the NFL right now. They're executing at a high level. They're going to, the Cardinals are going to see him again in two weeks, so it's going to be an interesting you know, deal to see how they match up against each other the second time around on a full week yeah. worth of preparation. Um, but the positive thing about this game to me, I think Kyler's still playing good. He's still playing efficient for a rookie. He's getting better. Going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL, Robert Saleh, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, does a good job mixing up coverages, mixing up blitzes and pressures, mixing up his fronts. And this 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 49ers defense, especially their front with Nick Bosa, has done a really, really good job. And the Arizona Cardinals offensive line has been a massive question mark all year long. And in my opinion, they, they played pretty well. Kenyon Drake ran for over 100 yards. I mean, they had 153 yards rushing. Um, again, they threw for 241 yards. And so, you know... They had a pretty good game on offense, and to me, the offensive line, this was probably one of their better outings against a really good football team. Again, I'm not hating on the Cardinals. They're 3-5-1, and one, but their three victories come against teams who I believe have three total victories between them, So, and they were barely winning those games, and the quarterbacks on those teams were playing well at times, and so they haven't beaten you know really quality opponents. This 49ers team is... Again, a very quality opponent, and this offensive line and this offense in general played pretty well. 
And that's considering you have Justin Pugh, who went from left guard to right tackle. I don't, it's been what, four years, five years since he played that position in the NFL. And you had Mason Cole, who he's got a lot of reps at center this training camp, and he finally gets a lot of playing time in a big role. And I think he did pretty well. So, I mean, considering the circumstances, pretty well. But again, you got to have a complete game to beat a team like that at home, even. Um, and next week is another team that the Cardinals could have a win against even on the road against the Tampa Bay Bucks. What do you see out of that game? I mean, they just gave up nearly 500 yards of the Seahawks. Yeah, they did. The 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 Tampa Bay Buccaneers um have not been a good football team. They're they're obviously 2 and 6. Jameis Winston has been a turnover machine. This could be a game where where this this Cardinals defense can get some takeaways which will obviously help this team. But there are not when you look at this the rest of the schedule for the Arizona Cardinals, there are not a lot of games you look at and say that's a possible winner. This Buccaneers game is one of them. It is very difficult, though, to go to the East Coast and play. Obviously, playing a coach in Bruce Arians, who's familiar, obviously, with the Cardinals. But this is a tough schedule. you got the 49ers, the Rams, the Steelers, the Browns, the Seahawks, and the Rams still left on the schedule. When you look at this schedule, the Buccaneers, possible win. The Steelers are 4-4, four and four and they're starting to play better with Mason Rudolph. Let's, maybe. maybe. The Browns, they're 2-6. and six. They're not playing well. It's another maybe win. There's only about three more opportunities, in my opinion, where this team can get a win. And so it's going to be interesting to see really what goes on uh, down the stretch. And, and, and again, a lot of it's going to be, you know, how healthy can they stay? But this, this Buccaneers game, I think, is going to be, you know, obviously a big one for both teams. I think it'll be an interesting just for Kyler Murray because we in Arizona, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Buccaneers football this year, but I'm assuming Todd Bowles might bring the house, might mix up stuff. Um, we all know that how he played as a defensive coordinator um, in Arizona. So when they have back-to-back weeks with similar style quarterbacks, they just played Russell Wilson. They, they played him pretty well. They got him to overtime. They lost on a touchdown pass in overtime, obviously. But look, Russell Wilson's a very good creative player. It's just two weeks in a row they're going to play a guy who can extend the play, who can make a lot of throws, awkward body throws, off-platform throws. Russell got them a few different times. Kyler has very similar qualities, very similar capabilities. Um, And this Seahawks team, as we know, is a very good team. It's not easy to go play up there. And the Buccaneers went all the way up there from Tampa all the way up to Seattle and took them to overtime. And so this is not going to be a walk in the park for the Arizona Cardinals. That defensive line, Domicon Sue. Shaquille Barrett. I mean, they have some dudes, so that'll be an interesting thing. You good, Rudy? I'm good. That's Rudy Carpenter. I'm Kevin Zimmerman. Thanks for listening.